Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oof. The Ravens, 8-4, and four. but at what cost this week on Pod Like a Raven? At what cost, fellas? At what cost to the team? At what cost to our lives as Ravens fans? I am Antonio Barbera. I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I'm just gonna get gonna get right into it. Let's start on the West Coast. Jay Sevens. Uh hey, how are how are you? How are things going in LA? Uh well they're going good. It's good to be back, Antonio. Had a nice week away for what proved to be yet another uh entry in Ravens do Ravens things. So unfortunately I missed that one. But uh it's good to be back. Uh the Ravens did win. That's, I think, about the extent of the good news uh, for this week's episode. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, otherwise things are go- going well enough. I finally go back to work tomorrow, so uh, you know, here, here's hoping that goes well and I remember how to do my job. But ugh, it's it's going to be a tough one, I think. Before I go to to Tim, just Jace, just for some you know some positivity. How's Florida? Was it warm? Nice, H- historic yeah. heat for uh, <laughs> November. Then sunny. You know, probably has some long term global warming implications that aren't great. But uh, for my trip, it was fantastic. It was nice. I was in you know the Gulf of Mexico uh, waters, uh, the Florida Straits waters, I guess there uh, on um, you know December first. So that was nice. That was cool. November thirtieth. Uh, pretty nice to be in the ocean, so that was fun. I enjoyed that, and it was it was a nice it was a nice little pick me up uh, sandwich between thrilling thirteen to three and ten to nine Ravens victories. <laughs> yeah, you deserve you deserve that, uh, Jace. Uh, on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, how are you? Terrible, Antonio. Um, yeah, the the Ravens are a farce, an abomination, and their season is over. And yet we still have to discuss them like they're, you know, relevant, competent, and um, any sort of entertaining. So frankly, not great. Um, You know, we're talking pre-show. An incredible Sunday of NFL football. A, for myself, and I can say this now, profitable Sunday in NFL football. Actually, very profitable Sunday. I was pretty proud of that. was ruined because the Baltimore Ravens are dumpster fire and... I, I, I can't believe how many times I've said this this season, and I apologize to the both of you. I, I'm not happy to see either of you, and it's not because I don't love you, but it's because I means for the next hour and a half I have to talk about the Ravens, which, frankly, I don't want to do. Yeah, we're going to get into the game specifics in a little bit, but um, Ravens continue to be 
this Ravens, I should say, continue to be the least fun winning team in franchise history. Maybe one of the least fun teams in franchise history, regardless of record. Um, And this, at a certain point, the tweet might have been sent between the three of us. Uh, This might have been one of the worst games we've ever seen uh, at an M&T Bank Stadium. And yet it was a win. Uh, A come-from-behind win with a backup quarterback. I'm going to turn to Jace because he's prepared this a little bit. Um, Jace, just, just why don't you give us a little taste of the sadness for a few minutes here with this stupid 8-4 and four team. Yeah, it, you laid it out well, Antonio. This is, I believe, the least joy I've experienced, certainly in a Ravens season, that they have a winning record. And Tim, you said they're not good. Like, this team is making the playoffs. This is a playoff-bound Ravens team. I don't know about that. I think so, based on how the rest of the AFC will shake out. But we'll talk about that a little later. But it's just, you know, for me, Antonio, winning just used to be such the end-all, be-all because the Ravens had a crappy offense and this legendary defense and the games were often brutal. Uh, but you could enjoy, you know, a 13-3 to victory because you completely shut it down. I've moved past that stage of my life. <laughs> I'm an older man now. I'm in my 30s. Uh, you know, it's it just like... I, I, for me now, the NFL season's so long. We're doing this for five months that you want to, like, enjoy the journey there. It's okay if they lose games. Last year, they lost games even. But, you know, there were some fun moments last year. Come back against the Colts. Come back against the Vikings. Beating the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Where is the joy? This has been a completely joyless kind of enterprise, like, starting in the offseason. I think just, you know... For me, the problems start in the offseason. These injury problems that plagued all of last year just kind of continued to roll over into 2021. Ronnie Stanley's not there to start the year. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins aren't there to start the year. And then plus in the offseason, you have this Lamar Jackson contract situation, which just hung over every single thing this team did. I just felt it, it had bad vibes entering the year. Um, and it's just continued, but I do think we hit the nadir on Sunday. I think Sunday is the low point and maybe that's good. Maybe there's nowhere to go, but up, but just, you know, from a Lamar Jackson getting hurt, which we'll talk more about in a moment, uh, to just, just nothing happening. I mean, the final score of this game is 10 to nine. They score with 25, 28, 30 seconds to go and nothing happened in between. It was just a waste of like three hours and it just was excruciating and you know the players were and john harbaugh were celebrating the win right like they're like i I, did john harbaugh i believe called it a great win (laughs) was the direct quote it wish i could make that up for harbaugh quotes jace but that is the real quote yeah you know it's not a great win but that's fine these guys work extremely hard uh (laughs) extremely hard to win these games they're allowed to celebrate you know, re- reaching eight and four, but I'm not on the team. I'm just a fan, and I don't have to pretend like this has been fun or exciting or been a joyful ride to eight and four. <laughs> like the record is good, and I understand how it sounds. I was watching the game on Sunday with a uh, couple of Giants fans, who I believe the Giants have had one winning season in ten years. It's it's you know they didn't have much sympathy for me saying. How, how unenjoyable this 8-4 and four team was when they've been to the playoffs once in a decade. I understand that. The Ravens fan base, in many ways, uh, is a little entitled. But I can't help how I feel. This was just, just, this just been an unfun season, and I think it peaked on Sunday. 
and I just like every game. It's just you know, Tim. We were talking about this. Just everything with the Ravens and the defense is great, but especially on the offensive side with the injuries and everything else, it's just all gone stale to me. And every game's a slog. And like, I was trying to think, like, what's your favorite moment from the season? I asked the fans, what do you, what did you, what have you enjoyed this season? Maybe beating the Bengals, that was vaguely fun, but they're going to kick our ass in a few weeks. Um, but, you know, uh, it just has been so unfun and it's been a total bummer. Uh, that kind of feels like the end of something, whether it's the end of Lamar Jackson as the quarterback of the Ravens or as John Harbaugh as the head coach. It feels like we're just marching to to the abyss, and I'm kind of already ready for this season to end, and I'm looking forward to 2023. And I'm genuinely looking forward to 2023, because I am a fan. I love this team. I care deeply about it. But this particular season just cannot end soon enough for me. <laughs> it's fun, because Jace wasn't here last week, and I essentially had the same exact five-minute monologue after the loss. And after a win, the point that Jace is making is almost more valid now than it was last week after a loss when I made it. Jace, I think, I think this is because we're used to this team. We expect a team, a football team, to have flaws, to have problems. But we want them to improve as the season has gone along. And that used to be one of Harbaugh's strengths as a coach. Especially in his first five years, the, like, November, December improvement and upswing to, to, to lift you into the postseason was a Harbaugh quality that they talked about all the time right next to the, you know, won a playoff game every every year, the first five years that they were, that he was the head coach of the team. And then in the last few years, it feels like the team is doing worse and worse as the season goes along, as opposed to better and better. So when I was writing this, I said, well, I got to prove, let me show my work here. Uh, so went in. Did the did the deep dive because these games are so painful and they elicit unnecessary record keeping. So <laughs> drew out the numbers for the Harbaugh era from 2008 to 2022, and I think most Ravens fans recognize the eras that that this team has had. It's the Joe Flacco Harbaugh pre Super Bowl five year run, the post Super Bowl five year run, early Lamar. And then essentially the last few years of what, let's call it COVID, COVID Lamar, because uh, he's had COVID uh, as many seasons as that era spans. So the first five years that I, I calculated all the records for November and December wins and losses. 08, 7-2, 2009, 6-4, and 2010, 7-2, 2011-7-2, 2012-5-4, and that was the Super Bowl year. Those first five years, they went 32-14 and 14 in November-December games. The next five years, which were a slog with the bloated quarterback contract, they still went 24-19 and 19 in November and December games. The year they went 5-11, and 11, they were 4-5 and five in <laughs> November and December with a 5-11 and 11 football team. The early Lamar era, we know it so well. 2018, 2019, the team went 15 and 2 in November and December games. And then the last 3 seasons up until this past weekend, 11 and 12 overall in November, December games. And it certainly feels like we are trending in that direction with a month left to play. And that's 
that's three years of that negative trend, and that's what I think Jace is talking about with the end of something. Um, and I think it gets painted pretty well when you talk about what's you know important in football. You got to win those games once the weather turns cold, and it's now a pattern of of the team trending in the wrong direction when we get to those important games. That that is very eye opening, and, and I think. Like for me, even like the, that that middle the dark ages. That's the, the, what scares me. Is that's what I was thinking about, kind of yesterday and this morning. Like that team did win games too, much like the, these Ravens are. But I think there was a noted downturn in fan attention, fan attendance at M and T Bank Stadium, and just like caring about the Ravens in general from the fan base at large. Things had gotten stale then, and I think we all thought. John Harbaugh was going to get fired midway through the 2018 season. Joe Flacco gets hurt. They enter their bye week. They switch to Lamar Jackson and everything changed. But, you know, we're several years. That was five years ago. Five seasons of the NFL now. And, yeah, th- things can change. I, I, that's what I, I think, to, to your point, Antonio. It's just, yeah, the, the, the end of season collapses, which feels like we're kind of at a make-or-break point in this season for averting one of those. Um, And just like, yeah, like you can win games and it not be fun. It wasn't for the late Flacco period that 2017 team, we don't need to remind people, was going to make the playoffs uh, as bad as they were. Um, And like, that just feels like we're kind of back there again. And it's just very disheartening. And yeah, I think that was very eye-opening just kind of this trend line we're in and yeah i think just paints the picture it hasn't been fun of late (laughs) and i think it's started last year obviously and has just kind of hung over this entire year you guys nailed all of this so i don't need to really retread on it but um it's the whole definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results and and then for John Harbaugh to come out after the, the game and say, quote, that was a great win, um, is just spitting in the face of every Ravens fan who's followed this team forever. Um, I feel like he is, he is so out of touch with reality at this point that he just assumes, oh, yeah, that we'll, this, this team is just grit and we'll figure it out. And while every smart person with any ounce – of football knowledge, and I'm talking any ounce of football knowledge, like my dog's amount of football knowledge from all the football she's had to watch with me in her one and a half years of life so far, knows that this team isn't going anywhere because they continually make the same mistakes, shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again, and it's an embarrassment to, to sit here and then and then try and be convinced that this is oh oh no this this is going to be a really landmark in our season uh, that that was a great win for the guys we're really going to rebound off of this I'm no longer going to get hyped at the Ravens pump up videos on a Thursday because I know what's coming it's three hours of dread it's Greg Roman just pooping down his own leg for for three hours on an off the offensive side of the ball it's the defense doing everything they can to keep the ravens in the game and then giving up a game-breaking drive because they've been literally supporting the entire team for three hours and guess what they're gonna make mistakes sometimes it's an offensive league and like like jace said i'm tired of it i'm so sick of it i'm so sick of this ravens team where this used to be the thing i looked forward to most and yes, look forward to, but then was also, you know, anxiety riddled and, and just 
half depressed, half like nervous energy. And I, but that was something that you kind of thrived on. And, and even if they lost, you were impassioned about it. The end of that game comes, and I'm just, I just basically exhaled of like, well, thank God they won, I guess. <laughs> and I, I, it's the end of an era. We're gonna, we're gonna get dive more into it now. I know we're going long on the intro here. Um, I, I'm tired of Lamar Jackson and some of the antics. I'm tired of John Harbaugh. I'm tired of Greg Roman. I'm just tired of this Ravens team, and I don't see how it changes. Let's get into the ten nine. <sighs> ten to nine. Ten to nine <laughs> victory that the Ravens had. We're gonna because we need to ebb and flow here. We're gonna start with positives, uh, and the defense throughout every player on the defense pretty much from the beginning of the game to almost just about I would say the end of the game played extremely well. They did not play down to their competition, which is something that we have seen offensively and defensively from this team for years. And even with the offensive woes all game, basically, it still felt like there was this chance, this stupid chance, to pull the game out because the defense kept it at one score difference throughout. The only points that the Ravens gave up in the second half were on a short field goal after an interception, after the Huntley interception. Roquan Smith is a joy. Marlon Humphrey played well again. Jason Pierre-Paul randomly made a bunch of plays in one series. Queen was playing well, too, before the injury that first looked like a thigh bruise and then looked like a broken leg, but apparently is just a thigh bruise. So he'll be day-to-day for the next 18 weeks, but, you know, hopefully it's better. Well, it is better that it's not a broken leg, but hopefully we see him at some point this season. Who knows when that'll be? But, guys, the defense has been great for four and a half out of the last five games now and that is what's going to have to keep this team in games throughout december and into january if if there's any positive i take from what we'll get into which is a disastrous offense now being led by your backup quarterback uh it is that the defense is so much improved from last year certainly uh and, and the annoying thing is probably playing the, about the best the defense has played in the entire Lamar era, of course, when our offense can't get out of its own way. But they were fantastic in this game, Antonio. Uh, 272 total yards for the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos never entered the red zone at all. They never got to the 20-yard line. Uh, the defense kept them out. Two of Brandon McManus's three field goals came from 50 yards. That was all the Broncos' offense was able to muster to get close enough, like you said. The other field goal was a short field. Uh and Denver was two for 12 on third down. Uh, the Ravens defense was sensational uh, this game. I was still um, a little worried at the very end when they kind of let the Broncos pick up almost about the amount of yards they needed but uh, in just 28 seconds. But even then, they managed to hold them far enough away and uh, just out of range uh, enough to preserve the win. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, A-plus marks, you 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 only give up nine points you don't give up a touchdown this was uh they allowed him to win the game and this was the fewest points the ravens have scored in a win the previous uh since our previous 13 to 3 victory this was the fewest points uh the ravens have scored in a win since 2012 when they won a thriller 9 to 6 against the kansas city chiefs during their year they won the super bowl so it's been 10 years since we've seen a ravens win with this few points uh and yeah i think you have to give credit to the defense for that because if you, you give up 11 points, they lose this game. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the the Broncos offense, I mean, just what in the world is that? Um, I, I just feel so bad for all Broncos fans who thought Russell Wilson, you know, weird guy, but at least he'll figure it out with these weapons. And we finally have a guy that isn't Drew Locke. And, like, I, I bet – Almost all of Broncos Nation would tra- would take Drew Locke right now over Russell Wilson and, and the future of that. But, yeah, I said it last week. I've said it for a couple weeks now. Um, I don't enjoy watching this offense. I almost want to turn the game off for, for, a majority, for a majority of the time I told you to this. Kevin Harlan was on the call for this Ravens game, and I love Kevin Harlan. This is a Kevin Harlan pro podcast here on Pod Like a Raven. I think I can speak for both of my co-hosts here. And I know, yeah, I know Jace just nodded very approvingly. I know I could speak for him. I, I flipped the audio when the offense was on the field to red zone and listened to Scott Hansen, who, by the way, is a massive dork. Oh, my God. I <laughs> love Scott, but, jeez, there's some just – there's some lines from that man that we need to get cleaned up. Maybe it's all the salty bacon. Um, I – as much as I hate watching the offense, here's my long-winded point, I enjoy the defense that much. I really do enjoy this defense, and maybe that is the one thing I get out of this team. Um, I, I, Roquan Smith is just a pleasure and an honor to watch. Uh, don't sign Lamar. Sign Roquan Smith. And this, At this point, I'm not even joking. Uh, Patrick Queen continued to play well up, up until the knee bruise. Uh, you know, Marlon Humphrey has been absolutely incredible this year. Uh, some, some stats that I always like to pull from Spencer Schultz, uh, at Ravens for Dummies on Twitter. He put this in. Uh, Marlon Humphrey right now has three sacks, three interceptions, zero touchdowns allowed, and a 59.2 passer rating when targeted. He's only committed three penalties, and he's played 161 snaps in the slot for the Ravens this season, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. He's the only defensive player with 500 snaps outside and over 50 snaps in the slot. He can play everywhere. He's getting back to that all-pro form, and he is just one of the many people that's really, really performing on the defensive side of the ball. But at the same time, they did it against one of the worst offenses I've ever seen, uh, especially given the talent they have. So, you know, I guess take a little bit of take a little bit of it with a grain of salt, I guess. Denver, basically, I'm looking through the numbers, had two plays of any <laughs> note in the entire game, and they were kind of the same... Oh, that Russell Wilson moon ball, what a, what a beautiful throw that he has. One to the tight end and one to Judy. They had a 30-yard pass and a 40-yard pass, and that's about it. I think they may have turned each of those into field goals. I think both of them were on different field goal drives, and then the third one was after the turnover. That's it. That's a good day for the defense. Um, they absolutely tried to give it away uh, on the last... <laughs> on the last possession, because why why play it straight uh, when you can just give up 15 yards per play uh, in a safe situation? We don't talk about that enough uh, on Pod Like a Raven. But anyway, enough with the positives. Let's turn to the offense. <laughs> Back to the negatives. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um, Lamar Jackson. He didn't play a lot in this game, but he has to be discussed at least a little bit. Was, in my opinion, clearly not fit to play in this game. That was visible from the sacks that he took to very early where a healthy Lamar is easily avoiding both of them. He almost took a third on a third down and then did the like panic on his way down throw out to the flat to, I believe, Duvernay where they didn't even get a first down. That could have been a disaster or another sack and another play he couldn't get away from from a Broncos defender. Missed some throws badly where his feet, you know, just the, the body didn't look right. 
and then took a few hits, and then all of a sudden he was out. I, this is gonna, you know, we're not, fortunately, we're not popular enough for this to actually be uh, any sort of issue. But if I'm a first take guy, I'm, I'm talking about did Lamar Jackson quit after taking a couple of hits in this game early, because took a hit, was okay, took a second hit, was okay, took a sack, hurt the knee, got up, was ready to play, and then had a late substitution to get him off the field, and now will be out for who knows how many weeks. I don't know how hurt he actually is. I'm not him. I'm not in the locker room. It's probably wrong for me to even whisper the accusation that he quit, but he got hit and immediately got up, and then all of a sudden was subbed out and was unable to play for the rest of the game. I don't know, you know, stop me before I say more bad things here, but it just was a frustrating start, a frustrating performance, and then I'm left kind of like just questioning based on how even the removal of the game went for him. Yeah, I want to jump in on this point because I have a question for the both of you, uh, and let me set it up here a little bit. Um, I, and I mentioned, I just mentioned this earlier in the show, I am tired of the Lamar Jackson antics. I'm tired, and maybe it's because there's so many fanboys that you get with him, uh, both in the team and not without the team. There's a lot of, and look, this is all, I, I, I should preface this with saying, I know I'm taking the extremely negative tacks here. And it's not that I don't want Lamar Jackson to continue as the quarterback, but, but there are some things. There's the Twitter thing where he goes after some guy uh, and badmouths him and then makes like a, a questionable slur that he has to delete, and then that becomes a whole media firestorm that he has to answer in press conferences. There's not being able to stay healthy, and the guy is frail. And it's not because he's a running – oh, you're just saying that because you think he's a running quarterback. No, he's not even taking hits when running. He's actually very good at taking hits when running and knowing when to not take hits and kind of rolling into contact, what have you. But even just in, in, in the backfield, he's constantly getting injured. You cannot rely on this guy for a 17-game season and a postseason. It's simply not going to happen. And all of that with the – Whatever is going on, even just – I know he didn't play much in this game, but you look at Tyler Huntley playing, and Tyler Huntley is not better than Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson should be the quarterback going forward, so do not take it like this. Hey, Tim, we should really give Huntley a chance oh, here to oh be the guy. God. I yeah. think he could really do it, man. Thanks, Steve, from Dundalk. Uh, but I just – the holding on to the ball way too long, trying to make plays, kind of, I think, almost – trying to make himself look like a pocket passer so he doesn't use his feet as much as he should, where it's like, get out and get the five yards and get down. All of this combined, it's been all season with this guy. He has not played well this year after a terrific start, it should be said. Did Lamar Jackson make a terrible bet on himself? Is this the worst contract year I'm going to, you know, because you always talk about the guy in the contract year. All of a sudden plays amazing because he wants that money. Now, you can shoot me down immediately and say no because someone's going to pay him, and I get that. And and the Kyler Murray contract and the Deshaun Watson contract really kind of hampered the Ravens uh, in different ways because he's clearly better than Kyler Murray. That guy's a nightmare. And he's better than Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed deal. So I understand from that point of view the Ravens are um, hamstrung a little bit. But did Lamar, did Lamar screw this up? 
Should he have just taken the contract that the Ravens were offering him, not knowing what that contract would have been? I completely understand that. And they're, maybe they're lowballing him or what have you. But you can't tell me it's not weighing on him based the way he's played this season. And, and it, it just – maybe I'm taking too much out of it and maybe I'm asking the hot takey question. But I think there's something, too. We went into this year with – kind of an uncertainty with him now he feels all this pressure to perform because he's gonna have to make the money and then it's it's the question every week about him even though he's like i'm not gonna sign a deal during the season people are still gonna ask it and then you lump on all this off the field crap him going after people on twitter him having to do all these things maybe it's just because i'm tired of it guys but did did he screw this up i I don't think he did because I do. I still have the mind that the money is going to be there because I do think he's talented and, and a former MVP. And there's only so many guys like him. But what I will say to him is that I think what we're seeing is kind of why you know the Ravens. I don't think you know jumped through certainly didn't jump through hoops to give him a 240 million dollar guaranteed contract. And I think like. What we've seen this year is probably some of the reasons why the Ravens kind of were willing to stick to their guns. This is two years in a row now that he's going to miss the most important games of the season during the most important time of year when you're ostensibly a Super Bowl contender driving towards the playoffs and he's not going to be there and for two years in a row. He gets sick every year, which we've talked about at least every once, year, every year. Ridiculous. I've never gotten that sick of my life. I feel like it's, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there's like those things and the immaturity. I agree with you. The Twitter stuff is annoying me. Uh, and sometimes makes me long for the days where you, you, you had players who didn't, what Twitter didn't exist. That was so great. I didn't have to know everyone's inner, every thought, every minute. That was delightful. Because, uh, um, but you know, I think back too on the contract thing to something I believe it was Ed Reed said on Kevin Clark's podcast, or he had him on Slow Newsday or something, mm-hmm. where he said the Ravens are about business. And you know, I think we kind of saw in these negotiations like they have their way of doing things, and I think we've disagreed with a lot of what the front office has done. Uh, in recent years, but I, I don't think they've made a horrible calculation, like not sprinting to pay Lamar. Like, I think they know the Ravens have most of the cards, frankly, just the way um, negotiations are set up against NFL players, kind of thanks to mm-hmm. years of CBA losses and stuff. So uh, I still think the Ravens, you know, I think they played it deliberately, and I still think it'll mostly work out for Lamar. I think he's going to get his money from somewhere, probably still from the Ravens, if I had to guess, but. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I think to your point, I think he'll get his money, but I think uh, it, this whole season's kind of shown like why the Ravens didn't sign that record breaking deal and kind of waited are waiting it out. Yeah. I'm going to uh, give a three pronged answer here. Number one, I think Lamar is playing the way he's playing. I think one of the questions you asked him was like the pressure of the contract impacting his play a little bit. Uh, or at least weighing on him with the with the injury and, and overplaying. I think he's playing like this mostly because his number one wide receiver is Devin Duvernay. His left tackle is yeah. a rookie fourth string left tackle. The running game can't do anything because neither of their top two guys have been healthy for any stretch of the season, and they're doing the same exact thing with a veteran uh, getting most of the carries that happened last year. Um and I think that's 80% of 
the performance. I, I don't think... I have not visibly seen over and over again, like, oh, that's that's a contract play. The Giants, I would say the play he made against the Giants, where he fumbled, picked it up, rolled out, threw it to Patrick Ricard over back over, over the middle, that was a contract throw. Most of the other stuff has been just his career uh, at this point, and I think he is, when he has struggled, I think a lot of it has to do with what the offense is around him. As for the Ravens, I think they've played it as well as they could have, um, they want to see it, and then maybe they'll pay it, and this has kind of worked in their favor. I think they they took the Joe Flacco approach. If you win us the Super Bowl, great. You'll get the contract, and we'll have a Super Bowl. That's why we do this. And then, But otherwise, like the value will likely go down based on whatever performance and all this. Uh, for Lamar, I don't think he made a terrible bet on himself at all because of the... New England Patriots, the Houston Texans, the, I want to say the Denver, oh, I almost said the Denver Broncos, but I won't say it because they can't change quarterbacks anytime mm-hmm. soon. The LA, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Washington Commanders, the Detroit Lions, I think it could be said, the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, maybe even the Los Angeles Rams. This is a long list of teams that would trip over themselves to give a gigantic... One of them's doing it, if not three of them, are going to give a gigantic contract offer to a guy like Lamar Jackson. Look at Carolina's quarterbacks (laughs) the last ten years. They would die at the opportunity to overpay for Lamar Jackson. So that part, I think, is inevitable and is happening in Baltimore or outside of Baltimore. So... He made a terrible bet on himself if he loves being on the Ravens and if he loves competing every year that he's healthy because of the stability of the franchise. If he loves getting $250 million, I think it's a, I think he could not play another down this season, and that money is coming from one of those 10 teams. Um, yeah, well, fair enough. And no, yeah. Good, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Good luck to finding a new team that would completely rebuild their entire offense for you. Um, especially with a $250 million guaranteed contract when they can't pay anybody else. Um, look at what's happening to the Rams right now, specifically. Uh, very top-heavy. They paid a lot of guys, and now they have no depth, and it's showing. I, 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 I tend to agree with the both of you. I, I do. Um, I just think this has played out for him in the worst way possible. Uh, and, and the worst way, Antonio was right, is still... He's going to get a ton of money from a franchise, whether it be Baltimore or somewhere else. The outcome was never going to be super, super bad for Lamar Jackson because of how good he is. He is a very, 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 very good football player. And I'm not trying to sit here and, and, and doubt that. But And I think this is why I was shaking my head a little bit on Antonio, Antonio's first point. And it's not because Antonio isn't right, because he is right. Devin DuVarnay and Daniel Falele and, all, and like the, the unit around him – but that feels like that's the first thing that everybody wants to scream from the roof. Well, if you could only get him some talent. Y- yeah, okay, great. Devontae, A.J. Brown would have been sweet watching that game. AJ, trading AJ for A.J. Brown would have been awesome. I would have loved it. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like the people who want to just jump to that defense don't think there's any blame for Lamar Jackson here when that is simply not the case. For how this is has this this whole thing has played out, and 
I don't know, man. I'm just... I don't know if we're going to see him again. Like, the, the week to week... Like, we might have... There is, there is a... And I would have never said this before the season, and we all talked about it. Well, the deal didn't get done. Don't worry. They're going to sign him. They're not stupid. They're not going to let this guy walk out the door. I think what the Ravens are going to do now, because of how poorly this has played out, they'll go to the table even more stringent than before. Well, look at your play this season, bud, and look at the injury. And, like, again, I don't know if we could trust you and whatever. It's another first-round exit for the Ravens or what have you, and we had to rely on Tyler Huntley down the stretch. And Lamar, credit to him, get your money. No fault of him is probably going to say, well, screw you guys. I'm going somewhere else. There is a – because of how this has played out, there is a higher percentage chance than I would have ever thought that we have just watched Lamar Jackson's last game in a Ravens uniform. And I hate the reality, but also it, I'm not going to say I, I would welcome it or anything because I clearly wouldn't because I love watching the guy play. But God, it has to get better because, my Lord, this has just been, as, as this entire season, as we opened with, Incredibly unfun. There, there were some texts sent uh, Sunday, Tim, where I kind of joined you in saying I don't think I'd cry if Lamar left. But I do hesitate just in the sense that I do think he's good and I would die to see him playing for a different offensive coordinator <laughs> before yeah. before he played his last game with the Ravens. Obviously, he yes. had once half a season of Marty Mordenweg. Great. And then it's been all Greg Roman since 2019. And I would just love a little different uh, look before we fully consign Lamar to this is what he is and this is all he can be for the Ravens. What scares me is I don't know that the Ravens are going to ever make significant changes that don't involve John Harbaugh being fired, and I don't really know if I want that, and that leads down a whole other scary rabbit hole <laughs> of hiring a worse coach and all that. But I did, I guess, just want to circle back to another point you raised, which is the injury, I guess, we should talk about, and if we actually see him again this year. Uh, so he's week to week with what has been called a sprained knee. Uh, and, for the, for the I wish we, we need to maybe start a Twitter account that is like the Harbaugh translator, um, because he uses day-to-day extremely loosely. So I'm going to assume, Jace, that week-to-week is uh, you have to extrapolate that out way further <laughs> down the road than you would day-to-day. Oh, Please yeah. Continue. Well, and especially, so two, two things on that. Well, on Sunday it was days-to-weeks, and now it's week-to-weeks. So that seems like a, it got worse to me. But, uh, um, yeah, Lamar was at one point labeled day-to-day last year when he suffered a bone contusion in his leg on, I believe, December 12th. It was basically the same four weeks left in the regular season. There's five weeks left now. He was day-to-day. He never played again. He's week to week now. It's December 5th as we record this. There's only five more weeks of the NFL season left. If he's week to week, that implies to me he's missing at least a week, two weeks probably. So like week to week can very easily become, oh, he missed the rest of the season. That scares me. Um, and can I just get into this Harbaugh word salad? This made me more mad that anything we watched on Sunday. He's he's really pissing me off at this point. Like <laughs> it's, it's just it's beyond ridiculous. The, the, when you the, see sorry Jace, real quickly. <laughs> when you see somebody like Mike McDonald uh for the the Finns 
it just tells you you don't just have to be a robot who doesn't give the media anything to be a successful football coach. Yeah, so. It just it turns your fans off to you, at least me personally. <laughs> I get mm-hmm. more mad about this than anything. He's just it's just being nebulous about injuries for no competitive benefit and also to just piss your team off. Remember when uh, David Ajabo was coming back on the other side of the bye? That was three weeks ago. Uh, do you remember Ronnie Stanley's not major injury? Haven't seen him again. Uh, you know, it just it goes on and on. But this this might be his coup de grace. This was a really special series of words Harbaugh put today about Lamar's status. Uh, here we go. He said this. This is a real thing he said. As the week goes on, we'll see for this week. It's probably less likely for this week, but it's not impossible. Then, after that, it'll become more and more likely. <laughs> just say no comment. Just say I have no comment on that. So, just, be- just Belichick it. Yeah. That would be better. I read that sentence and I immediately said Lamar's done for the year. And the, the thing that annoys me, it's, it's, this is literally a replay of 2021. Roddy Stanley's out. J.K. Dobbins is out. <laughs> with no idea when they're coming back. Lamar's now hurt. Marcus Williams, remember he was coming back in December? Well, who knows? It's It just never ends with this team, and it drives me insane. And I think it drives me more nuts than anything we've talked about today. Just how they talk about injuries, how they handle injuries. Like, I don't know. Just like, he has a knee sprain. Just tell me how many weeks he's going to miss. And if it's the end of the season, that's fine. It stinks. But it's fine. If you just say he's week to week for five straight weeks and then say, oh, yeah, he tore his ACL five weeks ago. It's like, yeah, God, we figured that out when he didn't play the whole rest of the year. Like, it's just insane. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> and if, we're, if there's one singular thing, if it wasn't that huge rant off the top, this is what's bothering me more than anything this week. It's just it's ridiculous. And I'm with you, Tim. I, 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 I'm scared of the thought that this was the last game Lamar has ever played for the Ravens. I didn't really consider it until you mentioned it but it's not an impossibility i guess so that that's upsetting to add another layer onto this just awful game so anyway about james prochet uh (laughs) he played in this game uh no uh, these are all fantastically sad points um we we got to talk a little bit about this game uh, as quickly as you guys would like to. And we do also have to um, talk about James Prochet for at least two minutes. <laughs> James Prochet continues his run as maybe the lowest net productivity player uh, in franchise history. Uh, looking at you, Sergio Kendall, he's really giving you a run for your money here with play. Not by not playing, but by playing. One of the worst throws I've ever seen. I'm talking cons again here. Uh, they're mostly offensive. I'm going to rattle a few off, and then I'm going to let my co-hosts uh, attack which ones they would like. The running game was a problem. 28 attempts, 3.7 yards a carry. I didn't see daylight on the vast majority of the plays. I didn't see any explosive runs. They had a 12-yard run with Kenyon Drake, uh, and they celebrated it like they had just won a playoff game, and it was really just a first down at this point, I don't believe the run game can work without Stanley or Makari at left tackle. Um, I think Falele has a chance to develop into a productive offensive lineman. He's not a left tackle right now. He gets burned by any sort of speed rushes on the outside in the pass protection, and he's not really nimble enough to do anything when they move, when they pull linemen in the run game. That looks like a problem until they get... One of their two left tackles back. 
Uh, another con. Yards after contact. I do not remember a single play from this game where a Ravens skill position player broke a tackle, either as a runner or as a receiver. That's a problem, and it's a problem that's really not changing anytime soon, specific to the injuries, specific to good luck seeing Dobbins in December. Um, And that's not great. Gus Edwards, not the greatest performance from him as they tried to ease him, I suppose, back into this game. Um, Did not have as many carries or snaps as Kenyon Drake. Uh, We can talk about Huntley. Um, Played pretty well. A lot of short stuff. Everything seems to be within 5 or 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. I get it. You know, be safe. That's his game. Get to third and threes as opposed to third and eights. Um, Doesn't help for our stress levels when there's 25 third down conversion attempts. (laughs) But that's going to be his game uh, for the next couple of weeks, as long as he's the starter. I think that works in a low-scoring game against the Broncos. I do not think it's going to work throughout December and into January. Guys, negative cons. Excuse me. Wow. Offensive cons that you saw. See, I'm. it's so bad, I'm adding <laughs> negative words to it. Uh, more cons from the defense, from the offense or other things that you want to talk about offensively, and just it's all so sad. Yeah, we need to stop doing this before I just turn the mic off and go lay <laughs> in a dark room. Um, the running game thing is ridiculous. Um, you know, we've mentioned this before, but hey, Greg Roman, uh, the whole thing, you know, the, where you came from, San Francisco, anybody could get it done. You could, you know, make anybody a, a Hall of Fame running back based on your scheme, the scheme, the scheme. And that's just not simply not the case. Um, the... I think it's a massive issue when the one thing that you can do or supposed to be able to do is run the ball and you simply cannot. And then this idiot continues to shoot himself in the foot. Um, he was, and I don't, I don't think this is good, but he was being basically cussed out uh, leaving the game from Ravens fans and stuff. It's gotten to that. It's, and it's not a good look for Ravens fans. You shouldn't be doing that. I understand. But it's gotten to that point, John, where this has to end. The Greg Roman thing has to end. It is no longer a debate. There are no defenders of this man anymore. Because, one, you can't do the thing you're supposedly good at, even because you don't have the receiving weapons. you got to lean on running the ball. People have figured you out. Smarter people than the three of us on here uh, in football terms have mentioned that his passing routes and stuff like that are basically Pop Warner in terms of his plays. And then, the one time he has rhythm, the one offensive drive where things are moving okay, he pulls out, as Jace put in our doc here, Maybe the worst play in Ravens history on the double reverse with James effing Prochet to throw a ball into quadruple coverage to when Drake. there's just nothing there. Not to even Kenyon to Drake. a wide receiver. <laughs> to Kenya Drake, and it's and look, Prochet maybe shouldn't have thrown the ball, but Roman dialing that up at that time, I don't know. It's not even a hindsight twenty twenty thing. He does that normally, and we're we're upset about this. Even if he scores a touchdown, it'd be like, well, that was kind of questionable. I mean, it worked, I guess, but that was. Absolutely insane. Uh, and then Harbaugh today, uh, or Monday, excuse me, as, you, as uh, we're recording this, said, quote, everything broke down. It was just a bad play. He also said it was, uh, quote, it wasn't a time for a play like that. There's never a time for a play like that. And you know what? You know what? It's really not time. The time when you're at the offense for once is actually clicking and you completely kill the momentum. The Roman thing, like, 
that more than anything. You know, there's going to be people calling for Harbaugh's head. There's going to be people saying Huntley can just take this team if Lamar wants too much money. I, I don't know if I agree with the I don't I definitely don't agree with the Lamar one. I don't know if I agree with the Harbaugh one. Let's see if this team, you know, it might bomb out and miss the playoffs. I know Jace doesn't think that. I think there's there is maybe maybe a chance and at that point that we have to have a real conversation. You cannot you shouldn't even be continuing into this week. Like, I really hope this take gets old. We wake up Tuesday morning and Greg Roman no longer is a part of this Ravens organization. But that's not going to happen. But after this season, you have seen all of the evidence. I don't care about your lack of skill players. I don't care about uh, the weapons. I don't care about the injury concerns. I don't care about any of it. This offense does not work. It doesn't work. And we should all become Stanford boosters and back the Brinks truck up to the, the what are they called? The, the crimson Stanford? I don't even know. The trees, the pine trees. Whatever the, the one cardinal. Not the, all the, the cardinals. cardinals. The me. cardinal. The cardinal. Thank you. The, the, the Christmas trees or whatever the hell they are with that terrible, terrifying mascot and give them every money, every penny in your life savings to make sure that Greg Roman goes there and ruins that organization and not this one because it has just gotten mind-numbingly stupid and bad and I, I cannot he's got pictures of Harbaugh or something or he's got a story of Harbaugh one night that you know is, is unsavory or something because everybody and their brother is looking at this just like why why can this continue you fired your friends before John it's time to do it again yeah it's it's tough it's a bad look uh, the offense is two years in a row things get worse and worse throughout the year Obviously, we, t- we talked about this last year. We thought Greg Roman might get fired, and instead he fired Wink Martindale, so who knows. But I'm, I'm starting to, to side with Tim on the there's incriminating evidence of John Harbaugh somewhere. Uh, it's just it's just <laughs> insane. Like, it just, it just they can't keep getting away with this, basically, the Breaking Bad meme. The, the only thing I wanted to, to kind of touch off on, on your, your point, Antonio, just no yards after contact, no yards after players catch the ball. Uh, it was just immediate. I think that's a product, at least in part. It definitely is no small part due to the fact that Demarcus Robinson is wide receiver one. That's, that's I think, you know, weapons is probably uh, issue number one. But I do think with Tyler Huntley specifically as well, um, he does throw everything short. He has a very high completion percentage, and his yards per attempt are always very low. He does not take a lot of risks, uh, except when he throws horrible interceptions, which is the one real negative I'd say he did uh, on the day. Um, but yeah, I think it's just his inability to, or unwillingness to push the ball down the field uh, kind of lets these the defenders just kind of key on everything short, and that's why they get nothing after the catch is made. Um just kind of highlighting this, Denver linebackers Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell each had 17 tackles in this game, which implies that there was a lot a lot in front of the linebackers, uh, we'll say. Um, but Huntley's performance is always because of his whole high completion. The one thing I will say he probably does better than Lamar is, other than when he threw that awful pick, is... You know, Lamar, as Tim, I think, mentioned earlier, does, is always looking to make a play, which is both good and bad. Uh, Tyler Huntley is very much a one-read-and-go guy, and that, I think, leads to your... I was stunned. He went 27 for 32 in this game. He completed 80% of his passes. Uh, but it it just felt like the team was accomplishing nothing all like all day, um, and that was mostly true because they were 3 for 13 on third down. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's all just everything short... Denver's got a great defense they could key on it 
And that it's, it's as you you said it perfectly. It it, it worked because Denver scored nine points on offense, but it's kind of <laughs> it just has to be better. Like you need more ideally against better teams. All right, let's let's go back to the pros, guys. We ebb and we flow. I have a couple more pros, and then I'm going to turn to you guys for for last thoughts on this game, so we can move move on from it because the the emotions are coming out from all three of us. One of the pros. The last drive that the Ravens had offensively was is potentially season-defining, and they knew it, and they executed. And I think it was a really impressive, with a, any backup quarterback, against a very, very good defense, it was an impressive 16-play, 91-yard drive when you absolutely needed a touchdown at the end of it. Two fourth-down conversions, one of which was definitely not converted for a first down, but we don't have to talk about that. Multiple players made big catches. The Huntley pump fake to Drake and then just immediately throw it back to him before his feet were set was awesome. That was a starter-level throw from your backup quarterback. And then they were able to punch it in from the (laughs) one-yard line, which is something that has been a challenge for this team for the past month. The other pro that I have, special teams, was just very strong all game, and I think that was likely the difference in this type of a ugly, low-scoring affair. Tucker was Tucker, but Stout punted really well. The coverage teams did really well. And then the final kickoff by the Ravens turned out to be... St- not the play of the game, but the, in parentheses, play of the game. And it's a play that all three of us hate so much. <laughs> uh, up 10-9 with 28 seconds. Tucker did the uh, force them to return it kickoff. All season, we have complained about this play because it seems to work about a third of the time, uh, with the other third being they return it to the 25 anyway, and then the last third being they return it to the 40, (laughs) and we start screaming on the text thread, just kick it into the end zone. Um, Here, they went with it again. The returner caught it at the three, could only take it to the 18-yard line, and it took five seconds off the clock. Considering Denver ran three plays offensively and got to the Baltimore 45-yard line, if they had the extra five seconds or those extra seven yards of field position on a touchback, I think it's more than likely McManus makes a 50-something yard field goal for the win. And if we give this coaching staff, and Harbaugh specifically, as the special teams guy, whatever, if we give them crap for everything else, deservedly so, I have to give them a little bit of props just to have the confidence to do that in that situation. And it essentially worked out perfectly, given given how these games go in the last 30 seconds. So that's my final pro. It's special teams. Uh, anything else uh, from you guys for this game before we move on? Just that final drive. Uh, Tyler Huntley, uh, I was happy for him. I know I just expressed I was a little nonplussed by pretty much his overall performance throughout the day. But uh, final drive, 8 for 8, 51 yards and 12 yards rushing, including the game-winning rush touchdown. It, it's cool, I think, you know, um, not his first win in the NFL because uh, we've had to rely on him more than we should in recent years, but uh, I, it was a cool moment for him, and I, I was happy for him, certainly, because, uh, you know, backup quarterback, you don't know how many chances like that you'll get in the NFL, so it was good, and 
uh, I think Tim said earlier, it, it, that, you know, without it, they don't win the game. So it was as annoying as this game was, it's still better to have won than have lost and also had all these problems. So, uh, you know, yeah, just shout out to Huntley for the final play. They went two for two on third or on fourth down on the final drive, three for three on fourth for the day. I hate that Andrews under center play, and I agree with you. I do not think he had the first down, but they said it worked, and they didn't challenge it, so whatever. Uh, and yeah, uh, uh, so, you know, you said it had to have a drive. It was nice they actually executed it. We haven't seen a ton of that in recent weeks and years, I feel like. So that was nice to kind of leave on a semi-high note, I guess. Uh, the Andrews under center play is like, when all your parents joined Facebook like eight <laughs> years after it was actually a thing. Um, you know, with, like when, quote, the olds got to Facebook and we were all done with Facebook. It would be like me trying to join TikTok now and trying to become like TikTok famous. Like the Chiefs have been doing this for a while, just like the shovel pass. They've been doing it for a while. And then the Ravens three seasons later adapted it, even though, you know, it has been relatively successful, but it's still something that people know is a thing now. Uh, Greg Roman jumped on it too late because he's, you know, slow to react in every single situation. And the Ravens just beat one of the worst teams in the National Football League by one point. So I'm, I'm no longer giving them you – know, I, I don't want to go pro. I'm not giving any more credit to them. Uh, I guess we should say, yeah, I do think a lot of why they even won this game was Broncos-related. Uh, just one final stat that stunned me I saw via Mike Sando uh, of The Athletic. Uh, before Sunday, NFL teams were 0 and 206 since 1995 when committing two tor- when committing two turnovers, forcing none, and failing to exceed 10 points, according to Pro Football Reference. The Ravens made it one for 206 by beating the Broncos on Sunday. So history made, but probably says more about where Denver is at three and nine now or three and eight than what the Ravens are at eight and four. Gosh, they stink. Uh, all right, that's it for this game. It's time for the Random Raven. Tim is up this week, so Tim, what do you have for us? Yeah, an easy one this week. Uh, so, I, But I looked and I was like, this guy's probably on here, but he wasn't, so I thought it was interesting. Um, you, you guys, I fully, fully uh, do not doubt your ability. I think you guys are going to get this one, but let's, let's go ahead here. This player joined the league in 2004, signing as an undrafted free agent with the Green Bay Packers. This three-time first-team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, and one-time Super Bowl champion joined an AFC South side in 2007 before signing with Baltimore in 2011. Clue number three. When this player signed for the Ravens, he became the highest-paid player at his position in the National Football League. Which is odd for the I thought that was an interesting little nugget here for the Ravens. Clue number four. During his three seasons in Baltimore, this player featured in 48 games and finished his Ravens career with 47 receptions for 259 yards, as well as 90 yards rushing in three seasons. He also scored two touchdowns. And this one's a clue just for you two. Uh, you will know this player as one of my favorite Ravens of all time. Yeah. Oh. I think I figured it out, but... <laughs> I, like, worked that so backwards, but, I, yeah, I think I've gotten... I think i've gotten there um wasn't on a random ravens list yet probably because you guys never wanted to pick him because i would know from clue <laughs> half uh fantastic choice there by tim uh it's harbaugh quotes time i skipped out on it last week bringing it back this week and uh just like tim teased with the random raven 
it's not hard this week because we've dealt with enough stress and anxiety and annoyance. Here are my three quotes from John Harbaugh. Two of them are real. One of them is fake. Quote number one. Uh, when Harbaugh was asked about the trick play with James Prochet throwing into, I would say, quadruple coverage, quote, we can do better with the play calling. We tried to do something, and it was a bad idea, in the sense it really had no chance. End quote. In the sense. <sighs> quote number two. On the Ravens having interest in Odell Beckham Jr. Quote, I haven't really thought too much about it. End quote. Quote number three, Harbaugh on the game. This was a bad win. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) Fellas, which one is the fake quote? Oh, God, it's so depressing. It's so depressing that the one that is the most honest and truthful is clearly the fake one uh, with John Harbaugh saying it was a great win against the Denver Broncos. You could... Correct. Correct. You can say it's ugly, John. You can say it was bad. Just say it's a win. It's still a win in the NFL. You don't have to say it's a good win. Um, The sad thing is, I was leaning towards B being fake, and then you unleashed C, and I was like, oh no, it is real. (laughs) Yes, John Harbaugh has not even thought about Bill Beckham Jr. joining the Ravens with this wide receiver core. Wide receiver, too. Yeah, I don't know who the sideline reporter was for the game. I don't even know which one of you may have had the audio on at this at this point in the game, based on uh, what I know your two viewing situations were. But the sideline reporter said something about Deshaun Jackson, like he's not gonna get a lot of reps because he's thirty six years old. And then she finished it with, "It's about quality, not quantity." Which was amazing for a 36-year-old, mid-season signed, all-but-retired wide receiver. <laughs> it's about quality, it's about not quality. quantity. Uh-huh. Uh, I should have put that in as a fake Harbaugh <laughs> quote because it was said by someone else. Oh, because right. pr- he probably told her that. <laughs> for the NFL. Guys, who is the <laughs> who is the saddest team this week? Last oh. week, I said it was the Ravens fan base. Is it the Colts' fourth quarter squad, whatever you want to call it, after that abomination of a fourth quarter against the Cowboys on Sunday night? Is it the 49ers, now a a Super Bowl contending team without a quarterback? Is it both Washington and the New York football giants? Because if you watch that game, which I, as the D.C. resident, had to um, in, in stretches after the Ravens game had ended... Neither team wanted a tie, and it was very fun and awkward to watch them, both coaching staffs, just kind of like meander onto the field, disappointed at a tie. Is it the Browns' offense, because of how fun it was to watch Deshaun Watson struggle and them score three touchdowns, none of them coming on the offensive side of the ball? Is it Baker Mayfield's agent? Because (laughs) Mayfield has played his way, played his way, into no longer being an NFL player, and missing out on so many millions and years of a big football contract based on how the last season and a half has gone for him. Or is it just the Ravens fan base again? Uh, (laughs) I don't even know which one of those I would choose. I'm going to turn to you guys. Uh, Who is the saddest team of the week? 
I will go quickly here. Um, you you, na- you labeled all of the candidates. Um, I, I would say the Giants might be up there. Uh, if you don't know, they play the Washington Commanders, who they just tied with again in two weeks. The Commanders, however, get a bye in between those two games. The Giants have to face the Philadelphia Eagles in between those two games. They could end up losing that Eagles game, losing to the Commanders again. And this 7-2 miracle run uh, could kind of fade away very quickly. Um, and people are like, oh, that's never happened in the history of the NFL before. It happened last year to the Baltimore Ravens, if you don't remember. That was super fun with the Browns, I believe it was. But it's got to be the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, if you haven't seen the news, uh, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo breaks his foot. He's out for the year. So Mr. Irrelevant, literally the last player selected in this year's NFL draft, Brock Purdy, comes into play. 25 of 37, 210 yards, uh, two touchdowns and interception. They win the game convincingly over the Miami Dolphins. It was a very impressive win. The Niners defense is just, oh, God, it's so good. It's so, so good. Just watch the Ravens defense and the Niners defense. The problem with this for the Niners is this is a Super Bowl roster that is not going to win the Super Bowl now. Uh, you look at their next couple opponents, they're at home to the Buccaneers, away to the Seahawks, home to the Commanders, away to the Raiders, home to the Cardinals. They could very easily just on their defense run game and the Shanahan offense making it e- as easy as possible for Brock Purdy, great name. Uh, they could win all those games and finish the year. I believe they only have they have a couple of what four losses now. Uh, yeah, so they're eight and four at the moment. They could win out, have a very very high seed, and then lose in their first playoff game just because Brock Purdy is not going to be winning the championship. So, what has the news been now? What say you? Baker Mayfield to come in and save this San Francisco 49ers team. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. Baker Mayfield asked to be released, by the way, from the Carolina Panthers. He asked for it. He asked for it. That's definitely what it was. Um, They're the saddest team of the week right now because it's Brock Purdy time. They're going to be even sadder, the sadder saddest team of the week, if Baker Mayfield comes in and you're relying on him to win you a Super Bowl. Good luck. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement. I, I think, the, you know, as we said, Niners were rolling five straight. They seem like really, to me, the only kind of real challenger to this Eagles-Cowboys kind of duo in the NFC East with all apologies to the 10-2 Vikings. But, uh, uh, yeah, they're just you're just not going to win the Super Bowl with any of these guys. Uh, and, like, it's uncertain you were going to with Jimmy G, but he was playing well, and so it's just really upsetting for a team that seemed to be hitting in stride seem to be rolling you mentioned Brock Purdy the only other quarterback currently on the roster is uh Jacob Eason uh and then their current uh they also are apparently signed Josh Johnson former Ravens starter for what is apparently his fourth different tour of duty with the San Francisco 49ers so uh Josh Johnson back at the building off the Broncos practice squad so yeah it's bleak um yeah, the only other – so I think the Niners are the winners. I just wanted to mention the Titans in passing because I think they're in a kind of similar situation to our Ravens and that they're easily going to win that division and then just got absolutely demolished by another playoff team. Mike Vrabel said they're at a crossroads after they lose 35-10, to 10, basically get doubled up in yards by the Eagles. I still think it says more about the Eagles than the Titans personally. I think the Eagles are really good. But I figured they deserve mention. And then – you guys mentioned it. I think both the Browns and the Texans deserve to be considered saddest team of the week. The Browns, because they're dressing Deshaun Watson, and that's a disgrace. And the Texans, 
because they lost to the team that is dressing Deshaun Watson. When Watson was awful, the Browns did not score, as we said, an offensive touchdown. Three special teams and defensive touchdowns in this game. Uh, in fact, the score was at one point 27-8 before an offensive touchdown was scored by the Texans late in this game. Uh, the Texans are 1-10-1, cruising towards the number one pick. Uh, and they barely had a crowd to even boo Deshaun Watson, their former quarterback. That's how, how, how sad things have gotten in Houston. So I think those two teams kind of tag team to be status, uh, runner up for status team of the week. But I, I think the Niners definitely, um, have to take the, uh, position of saddest, uh, just based on their Super Bowl hopes kind of, I think went up in flames this weekend. They should just go triple option uh, from here on out. I mean, CMC. just put the ball in your best player's hands and then just run it. They have all these, like, dudes in the backfield. Uh, throw Kittle back there on occasion. You know, throw it three, four times a game. You can't convince me that their defense wouldn't hold things down well enough for, like, 12 runs in a row, and they win game 7-6. Uh, and that'll be, the, that'll be the formula for them here on out. Uh, yeah, I, I think I agree that it is the 49ers. Um but I do think Baker Mayfield's agent is also struggling uh, mightily uh, these days. All right, let's turn now to the Ravens preview. It's Steelers oh week, guys. God, I, am so <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> my, I wrote in my notes, my how the turntables have tabled. What a month ago should have been an easy win for the Ravens will now be seen as a surprise, a shock, if they pull this game out in Pittsburgh Ravens, three-point dogs at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Kenny Pickett. Let's start with the Ravens' offense against the Steelers' defense. Can Huntley do enough uh, as a backup quarterback? Are the three-yard completions going to do it? Are the constant third and fours, third and threes, can the Ravens survive those, convert enough? To basically score 20 points. Can we get 20 points out of this offense uh, against this Steelers defense that has been okay? 28th against the pass, 7th against the run. Time for uh, Huntley to sling it. Guys, can we get 20 points to have a chance to win this game in Pittsburgh? No. Jace? (laughs) I don't like their chances uh, (laughs) of 20 points. Um... You know, the we have seen Tyler Huntley face the Steelers very recently, the last game of last season, uh, and it didn't go well. It was his by far worst start of his career. Uh, Huntley kind of cleared 70% completion in a lot of his games. As we mentioned, he likes to attack short. It's short and, <laughs> short and sweet. Um, but he, he was 16 for 31 with two interceptions in the season-ending loss to the Steelers in Baltimore on an awful weather day. I can't imagine the weather in Pittsburgh is going to be delightful on Sunday. Um, yeah, I. it's going to be tough. It's going to be another, uh, I think, based on the trajectory of the Ravens offense, which as we talked about, their last two wins, they've scored 13 and 10 points. I don't see them scoring a ton of points. And, you know, that first one was with Lamar Jackson. They just said the offense hasn't been good. And, uh I still think even though the Steelers aren't, you know, it's weird with the Steelers because I feel like they have talented players that, like, don't add up quite to the sum of their parts. But I still think Tomlin's a great coach, and they're driving back to 500 and probably uh, for the millionth year in a row. Uh, They've won four or five. 
and Brian Flores is there, and I, yeah, I don't like their chances to go on an offensive explosion in this game, certainly. And, and I'm with you in terms of, I think it's clear, like, unless even Makari plays, but Stanley, like, is not a left tackle, right? Like, he literally only played right tackle in college. <laughs> he, did, he did not play left tackle. So they need at least McCarry back, preferably Stanley, I think, if they're to establish anything on the ground. Um, certainly, that seems to, he seems to kind of be the linchpin of the whole thing. Yeah, and I don't, I don't trust Roman to, pick, to have any sort of game plan to help Tyler Huntley succeed. Uh, especially against a defense that still has a lot of talent, including a TJ TJ Watt who came back and you know defensive player of the year last year, I believe. Just an incredible, incredible pass rusher, probably the best one in the league, if not one of the best. Um, yeah, I have no faith in this offense. Uh, they, they are going to melt into the Broncos very, very quickly. Last comment on the Ravens' offense: um, This is an official call out to Ronnie Stanley, who I know listens weekly. If you don't show up for this game, I'm out on defending you uh, for all your injury woes. And I know nothing about it. I, I have no inside information on how severe the injuries have actually been. But I know that it's that you were ready to go for weeks and then didn't play. And then I know you played a series and then came out and then played a series and then came out even though you were really fine. And then all of a sudden, when it was needed, when backups were injured, you were playing every snap uh, at left tackle. I know you got rolled up on. I know it's not a serious injury. If there's ever a moment where you need your offensive line leader to show up for a football game, it's this game. It's left tackle in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. You want to go to the playoffs? Double wrap that ankle. Believe in it. And play, even if there's a little bit of pain because it's swollen from being rolled up on or sprained or whatever the heck it is. 50% of Ronnie Stanley is better at this point in time than 100% of Daniel Falele. Suit up, take all those magic medicines that make you not feel the pain, (laughs) and start at left tackle. If he does not, I do not think the run game is going to go anywhere. And having Huntley need to throw the ball 45 times in Pittsburgh is not going to work. Defensively, for the Ravens, we have seen this unit be legitimately great for the vast majority of the past five games. They're going against a rookie quarterback, Kenny Kenny Pickett, who has not looked great, misses badly on two throws in a row, and then will hit the third throw. The Ravens against rookie quarterbacks generally has been a good recipe historically. The Ravens' D has quietly moved up to 13th in the NFL in yards per game allowed. If the Ravens can't score 20, (laughs) can the defense keep this Steelers' offense down enough to give the Ravens' team a chance to win this game late, Uh, a la what we just saw with this this Denver game last week? Yeah, I think so. And I think that there's... You know, a, a, a pressure on the pass rush to get pressure, if that makes sense, to really fluster a rookie quarterback who is mobile and can get outside and make some plays. But this is where you can shine against an offensive line that isn't particularly strong. Uh, you know, same as every year, the Steelers have a load of receivers that they just draft out of nowhere. But 
they can be frustrated. George Pickens already has an attitude problem, and he hasn't even played one full season in the NFL yet. Uh, he was kicking his helmet and throwing it for not getting the ball because he thinks he's Terrell Owens. Uh, that's good. Um, and so I think the Ravens' secondary can frustrate. Obviously, there are a lot of weapons. You know, a Pat Fryermuth type can be neutralized by Roquan Smith, you hope. Pickens, Deontay Johnson, you hope Marcus Peters and Humphrey kind of neutralize them. If that's the case and you don't have one of these guys making a massive, you know, having a massive day or what have you, I think the pass rush could do enough to get home uh, and, and make this a really, really frustrating day for Kenny Pickett. So, yeah, I mean, the season's over for the Ravens. Like, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. But the rest of this year is going to rely on the defense making plays, and I think they can against a rookie quarterback and, and, a, and a, medi- like a, a middling offense. Yeah, the Steelers have scored over 24 points once this year. They are 4-4 four and four with Pickett because uh, Mike Tomlin is a great coach and somehow underrated even though this he gets this stupid team to 500 every year. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in agreement. I think they can cause some problems. It's going to be ugly. Uh, for my own amusement, I was looking up the last several uh, Ravens-Steelers games. Some, some thrilling final scores. 16 oh, to 13, 20 to 19, 19 to 14, 28, 24. A real high scoring one there. Uh, so, you know, this isn't, uh, and if, in case you are counting at home, those were all Steelers wins. The Ravens have not beaten the Steelers since 2019, which drives me up a wall. Uh, I just, I, I need the Ravens to beat this team. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't. Oh, that was so. That was so purely just like the emo, the 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 emotion of Jace there. Like he, I need this. I need a win. I know. I just for like that's 2019. So long ago. <laughs> it's so you know. I think they. This could be a game to do it. I am scared, though, for all the reasons we've talked about with the Ravens offense. Special teams is going to need to be perfect again. Justin Tucker will need to hit multiple 50-plus yard field goals on that crappy field for them to have a chance in this game. I think it will be a one-score game. Uh, And I'm going to turn this to the gambling section. The Steelers are three-point favorites in this game. And I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens because I don't believe in Kenny Pickett. These are not your father's Steelers with the Ben Roethlisberger doing stupid stuff late to pull out wins even though he can't move. He's got three Ravens draped on top of him. He's on the way down. And a millisecond before his elbow touches the turf, he's able to flip it to Benny Snell, who then runs it for 35 yards and a first down in the fourth quarter. That's not the Steelers anymore. It's Kenny Pickett with his stupid gloves. Uh, He's looked ugly. He's a rookie. Yeah, they've won a couple of games. They beat the Saints at home. They beat the Colts. And they beat the Falcons by three. I'm not impressed. I think this will be tight. And if you can get three points for free, uh, I'm taking the Ravens. Plus three. And I think they win by like one. (laughs) I think this is a Justin Tucker 56-yard field goal. And they win this game 16-14, so, yeah, something stupid. Yeah, 16 sounds right for the Ravens. One touchdown and a bunch of field goals. Maybe 16-13, 16-14, something in there. And we have to talk about this dumb team being 9-4 and four and still in first place, even though 
they aren't very good offensively. The defense does a lot. They force turnovers. Um, they make a rookie quarterback look like a rookie, and they make just enough plays on offense, and Tucker hits a bunch of field goals. Yeah. Um, Steelers minus three. <laughs> Like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't in good faith bet on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, when the actual money's at stake, I never bet on the Ravens anyway. I made that mistake when gambling became legal in Maryland. I was like, oh, they're playing the Jaguars. This will be fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, Steelers minus three. And I'll just go through my other ones, too, real quick here as we go. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look. Whatever the over-under is in the Ravens-Steelers here, you might want to just take the under just to do it. Um, I, I, I don't even know what it is. At the moment, uh, I believe... 36 and a half, Tim. Yeah, 36 and a half. I'd still take the under there. Because what? That's do the math low. here. 16, <laughs> 13 gets it done? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Easily. Comfortably. Yeah, e- comfortably. <laughs> that I game think. could go into overtime. You'd be comfortable. <laughs> Pretty sure that's... The under is the only bet here uh, if you want to make that bet. But uh, my other picks here, I did win the Broncos bet. I won the Vikings bet, uh, and I lost the Titans bet. And Too many people were on that. We should have known that from the start. I'm going back to the Vikings here because this is a sucker bet, and I don't know if there's reason this is the case. The Vikings are underdogs in Detroit to the Lions, plus one and a half. I'm sorry, what? Stinks. It stinks. It stinks to high heaven, but I'm going to eat the trash. Uh, Give it to me. I'm taking the Vikings plus one and a half. I'm also taking Dolphins minus two and a half away to the Chargers. Um, The Dolphins need a bounce back. There's a lot of, we told you to, a stinks, even though this offense has been very, very good this season. The Chargers defense is not the 49ers defense in any way, shape, or form. I think the Dolphins get off the schneid a little bit here in prime time. It's going to be 85% Dolphins fans in L.A. anyway. And I think they get back to, you know, I don't think they're I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think they are a good playoff team. Tua, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle all show up, and the Dolphins get a big win over the Chargers. So I'll take the minus two and a half. I'm with Antonio. Ravens Here we go. Three. <laughs> we I'm, love the pain, Jace. I, I have been picking. A, full disclosure: I didn't make a pick last week, but I almost certainly would have picked Broncos plus eight and a half if I had, because I've picked against the Ravens. I believe three straight weeks, uh, getting massive, almost you know, uh, two score odds in some of these games, uh, and the team, the the other teams covered them all against the Ravens the last several weeks. Um, but I just saw this, the Ravens installed as underdogs, and I loved it. I loved that we're underdogs to this stupid, bad Steelers team with their two-gloved rookie QB. Uh, I love that the game's at 1 p.m. That's fantastic. When's the last time a Ravens-Steelers game hasn't been an annoying late afternoon or primetime contest? Uh, I, I, I just, you know, I, I don't... There's things I don't love about the Ravens, as the entire rest of this episode, I think, spells out. But uh, (laughs) for gambling purposes, I still love that they're an underdog this week, and I'm riding with them. I'm with you, Tim, on the Vikings. 10-2 at 5-7. Feed me the trash. Feed me the trash. And then I had a vision of Tom Brady lifting the Lombardi Trophy yet again. Oh, my gosh. this year. And the run to the most annoying Super Bowl championship of all time since two years ago begins with Bucks plus three and a half at the San Francisco 49ers. The man from San Mateo, California comes home to punish 
the now beleaguered 49ers and Mr. Brock Purdy. You think you're Mr. Irrelevant? I was drafted 199, Tom Brady will say. And he drops the hammer as the Bucks win and start a very annoying Super Bowl run. You heard it here first. Oh, man, I think he's right. I hate it. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, to recap my uh, gambling history, 2-2 two and two last week, 23-19 and 19 on the season. Ravens plus three. Jets plus nine and a half at the Bills. I don't think the Jets have any chance of winning in Buffalo, but nine and a half is too many points. They're a good football team. They were eight different attempts in the red zone of beating the Vikings in Minnesota. They had two different shots at it. They were like inside the two-yard line at a certain point, and the, the narrative is completely different. Oh, the Mike White and the Jets win against a what nine and two Vikings team, ten and two Vikings team in Minnesota. What? They're getting nine and a half points if they score a touch. If the game is seven nothing Jets to start, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, if they're getting blown out, there's garbage time potential to turn this into a nine point or an eight point game late. This is too many points Jets for a Jets team. won this game, Go ahead, Antonio. Jets. The first time. The Jets have already beaten the Bills this year. Look, and I will be back next week talking about the 40-17 to 17 Bills victory. <laughs> but this just seems like too many points for a what has been a good team. They're annoying me all the time because I've, I've been saying it for weeks that neither New York team will make the postseason. But they proved, they, like, proved something to me. I took the Vikings with Tim last week. And I was sweating bullets late into the fourth quarter uh, with this Jets team on the road. So I just think it's too many points. Um, and I look forward to talking about the 40-17 to 17 Bills win <laughs> next week. And then my last pick, and ooh, I almost want to make it a lock of the year. I lost my other lock of the year oh, earlier man. in the year. <laughs> but this one is just, it's just screaming at me. I'm not going to say lock of the year. Um, but I will say, I don't know, like sealed door uh, of, of the year. No lock, no lock turned, but the door is closed. Uh, and I love this. It's a teaser. It's three teams. And I just don't understand how, how it doesn't work out. The Chiefs at the Broncos. I'm moving that line six points down to Chiefs minus two and a half. The Chiefs will not lose to the Broncos <laughs> at all. And it's not going to be close. And getting the Chiefs at less than a field goal seems ridiculous. Uh, Chiefs minus two and a half at the Broncos. The Eagles, I'm moving them down to minus half a point at the New York football Giants. The Giants, good for them, tied Taylor Heineke. (laughs) They're not tying the Philadelphia Eagles. They're losing to the Eagles. That's all we need for that pick. And then the third one. Bengals are moving this line to even at home against the Browns. I get it. This line is six because Joe Burrow has struggled against the Browns. They're at home. Deshaun Watson looked extremely rusty. He's not just going to magically figure it out after one week. They were playing the Houston Texans in that game, by the way. Now they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. It's going to be loud and raucous, and I don't think they can match them points what can the Bengals who just beat the Chiefs can they beat the Browns at home yes yes they can it's the close the door don't quite throw the lock uh of the year three team six point teaser I love it I'm I'm gonna make some phone calls as soon as we start (laughs) uh, as soon as we stop recording this episode those are my three picks for the week the last thing to do 
the random raven. Tim, can you give us those clues one more time? Yeah, we're going to have to start just calling you Tony T's or Tony Teaser <laughs> or something like that with all the teasers you have in here. All right, real quickly, we'll run through this. Clue number one, this player joined the league in 2004, signing as an undrafted free agent with the Green Bay Packers. Clue number two here, this three-time first-team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, and one-time Super Bowl champion joined an AFC Southside in 2007 before signing with Baltimore in 2011. Clue number three, when this player signed with the Ravens, he was the highest-paid player at his position uh, in the National Football League, which is interesting for the Baltimore Ravens. Clue number four, during his three seasons in Baltimore, this player featured in 48 games and finished his Ravens career with 47 receptions for 259 yards, as well as 90 yards rushing. And coming from his position, it's kind of wild that uh, old Joey Checkdowns was thrown to this guy a lot, it seems like. Uh, he also scored two touchdowns and clue number five for the two of you. This is one of my favorite Ravens of all time. So, Antonio, take it, Jace. My assumption is this is the VL Hammer himself, Mr. Vontae Leach. Uh, took me a few clues to get there, but that is my guess. The undrafted and then so many all pros. <laughs> Unusual. So, I'm going to agree with you. It is, of course, the one, the only, the VL Hammer, Vontae Leach. Uh, I'm incredulous that we did. I guess we just talked about him too much. Uh, on the show for him to be... He doesn't seem random for us. <laughs> he doesn't seem random for us. He is, he's on the pantheon of Ravens players. Uh, a fantastic choice. And just a lovable Raven. We don't have enough of those guys on this on this team. We need... The, where, where are those guys on this team? All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. Let's get out of here. It was 10 to 9. <laughs> My goodness. 8 and 4 Ravens. First place in the AFC North. I don't know. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. It's Steelers week. We will be watching at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Thank you all for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.